Good afternoon and welcome to Looking Up here on Faith FM. You're listening to me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. And uh, we're back again, as we always are, on a Wednesday afternoon with our Looking Up program, where we take a look at current events and Bible prophecy and see how they fit together. What is the world telling us about where we're headed and what does the Bible say about where we're headed and how those two things connected. We're grateful that you have tuned in today. Tell all your friends uh, and they can join in also. Uh, We also uh, have a bit of an interactive segment of the program where you can call in or text in a question or a comment uh, on the program and uh, you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text on 0491 064 669. That's 0491 064 669. Now, if this is your first time with us, we want to say a special thank you to you for tuning in. But if you would like to listen to any of the previous episodes, the previous podcasts of our Looking Up series, you'll be able to find them at our website, faithfm.com.au. Click on the Podcasts tab and just look for the very handsome Danny Milenkov and the very average Peter Watts, and you'll find the Looking Up show, and uh, you'll be able to listen to some of the other programs that we've produced. Danny Milenkov, great to have you in the studio. How you been? I've been praising the Lord having a great time, and never a true word was spoken, Peter. About um, what? About, about the handsome. <laughs> the handsome Danny Malenko. Yeah, so that's the only time it's I've ever been I've got that written shared. down here. Somebody um, told me to say that. I don't know what Could that's... you encourage my wife to say that <laughs> once in a while? No, uh, maybe on my birthday, on my birthday even. She definitely didn't send that in. No. <laughs> anyway, folk, I'm, I'm glad to be here as well with you today. Uh, looking forward to another wonderful program. Unfortunately, I have some sad news to share. I don't like to share any sad news. Did you hear a rumour? Yeah, it's an unfortunate rumour that's sadly a reality. But my good friend Peter Watts, the one that's not so handsome, but he will be here with us for the last time next week. So uh, this is his second last week with us. Next week he'll be here with us for the last time. And Peter, I'm going to miss you, buddy. We've had a great time together. I am going to miss you too, Danny. And uh, I, we've had a blast in the last six months on uh, Faith FM. And we've known each other for a little while. And it's been great working with you. I've got a feeling, though, that we might try and work together a little bit on Zoom or something. Yeah, we'll look to do that. Even though the miles might separate us. Mm-hmm. We might still get some... Uh, Distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's right. Well, I'll talk a little bit about what I've been doing in terms of uh, packing up and where I'm headed as we come back after the break. But we're going to uh, take... Are we taking some music? Yes, we are. We've got the Homeland Singers, uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot. And uh, this is uh, about a passage from, uh, from the story of Elijah. So listen up.
sometimes down. Coming for to carry me home. But still my soul feels heaven bound. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, swing low, sweet Welcome back. You were listening to the Homeland Singers and Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Uh, and that, I guess that came from a, a, an album called A Little Bit of Heaven. We all need a little bit of heaven, that's for sure. So welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watson, my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. And uh, Danny, you mentioned quite truthfully that uh, next week's going to be my last show. And... Um, Yes, it's an unfortunate... It's with a heavy heart. It's with a heavy heart that we admit that that's Why the case. are you smiling? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no. only smiling because you're smiling, but... Um, no, it's true. I've... I've uh, why am I leaving? That's the question. That's so, the big um, question. Yeah, I'm heading down south to, uh, to Tasmania. To another country. Places. Might as well be another country. Or at least I say that I'm going to Tasmania because at the moment their borders are closed to Victoria and New South Wales. I think they're open to every other state. Are they? Um, yeah, but um, they're still very cautious, and who can blame them? Mm. And um, But, yeah, I'm heading down to Tasmania and to, to do some uh, ministry work down there. So mm-hmm. um, may do some more radio like this, maybe uh, do some um, other, you know, recording video programs. We might do some work together. We'll talk about that uh, as we go along. But, yeah, so uh, today and So whereabouts in Tasmania will you be living? So we'll probably – now, there's a question um, – we don't precisely know right now, but what we do know is that it'll be in the Hobart area, or as they say in the winter, Snowbart. So wow. it's going to be uh, a different, uh, a different. Well, you're from that part of the world. You're you're from well, the I part wouldn't of the world where, where you're used to chilly weather. I am from the UK, and uh, we do have a four season climate there. And so uh, I, I tell my brother, my brother and my mother live back home in England, as you know, and as we've mentioned before here on this show, and. Um, I tell my, my brother and my mother that we have uh, nine months of summer here and three months of autumn. That's all, <laughs> that's all we get here in, uh, in North New South Wales. But uh, down in Tassie, yes, they'll have a, a genuine four-season climate. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to that. I've been it's there. a nice part of the world. Have you been there on holiday? I've only, no, I've only been there once. Um, so, and since, it wasn't a holiday? And it wasn't due to COVID that they don't want to let me. They just don't want to let me in. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so. Where um, did you go there? I went there about three or four years ago, just for a weekend, um, caught up with a good friend of ours, Mark Goldsmith. Oh, truly, yes. Yeah. I, I know Mark. He, yeah. he invited me there and I ran some programs and played okay. some table tennis and had a great time. There you go. And he showed me around and, yeah, just a beautiful place. It is a beautiful, a beautiful place. I, I actually say, Anybody mind, listening from Tasmania, I want you yeah, to know I, I wouldn't it's a mind place. living there because I've lived in New Zealand for six years. Oh, right. And New Zealand, very similar climate. I was in the North Island. Okay. So, yeah, I would certainly contemplate going to Tasmania. Well, my sweet wife and I have been to Tasmania on three occasions on holiday, and uh, we loved it every time. Obviously, we keep going back, but um, never imagined that I would be going there for work. And uh, yeah, a couple of months ago, I got uh, a request to go there, and so 
we have decided to do that. So right now at our house, we're just packing boxes like there's no tomorrow. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, it's all a bit hectic, but I like a little bit of adventure. Yeah. So this is what that is. And when you're going on an adventure with the Lord, you know, it's going to be a, bl- a Well, look, at the end of the day, we're only pilgrims here on this planet. <laughs> That's right. We're all pilgrims That's and we're right. heading to the New Jerusalem. It's, and, it's and, all temporary here. Yeah. And in case our listeners may be wondering what on earth is going to happen to Faith FM, will they have to put up with Danny continually? The good news is that you won't because... Um, well, you will, but you've got a sidekick. Well, <laughs> yeah, replacing Peter will be... Uh, uh, a lady that, a uh, young lady that we'll be introducing um, soon in good time, and her name is Sharissa. I was going to say, you're not going to mention her name. Sharissa uh, Tarosian. Sharissa Tarosian. Did I get that I... right? Sharissa Tarosian. And so, yeah, so she'll be she'll be stepping in after next week. So next week's your last week. All joking aside, Sharissa. She is, is brilliant. T- she is brilliant. I am praising the Lord that she said yes. I definitely think it's an upgrade. Oh, huge, huge. And so. she was only willing to take she was only willing to take like a hundred thousand um, dollars. That, that's about all I had in my bank. They don't was, they don't pay me half of that, Danny. No, they don't. So um you've been paying me quite a bit to yeah. hang out with you, so <laughs> if the truth be told. But no. So yeah, she's she's wonderful and, and the good news is, um, Peter, she's she's just completed a seminar with a couple of others. Yeah. Her husband being one, yeah, both, and both and Justin speaker. and Charissa are both um, terrific Bible preachers, terrific Bible students, and they're so, evangelists. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, they are seasoned evangelists, and they love Bible prophecy. And you might events. want to unpack that word. What does evangelist mean? An evangelist is someone who loves sharing the good news of the gospel. Yep. They love sharing the good news of the gospel in the context of God's final message of love to the world, which is mm. what we've been looking at: Revelation fourteen verses six to twelve, the everlasting gospel. And so Sharissa loves to share that message. And so I was really praying and thinking about this for quite a while. As you know, you've been asking me, have you spoken to someone? Have you spoken to someone? And I hadn't, the Lord hadn't impressed on we'll, me we'll other see. names. And so, yeah, Sharissa, her name came to mind and there was really no other name that came to mind. Okay. And so I spoke to her and she prayed and thought about it and she is willing to give it a go. And I praise the Lord because she is someone who is really keen to unpack um, what the Bible has to say about the times we're living in. Hmm. Uh, She's very familiar with Bible prophecy, and she has a message full of hope. And she was one of the speakers on the end program. Okay. That's right. We were promoting that. Yeah, we were promoting that. Some of our listeners may have watched that with um, Lyle Southwell. So something presented. Uh, the end program, so she'll be well familiar to, to many of our listeners possibly. Indeed. Well, something to look forward to, that is for sure. Today on our show, uh, a little bit later on, we're going to be looking at the topic of Babylon. And uh, we started into this last week, Danny, with our uh, program, A Tale of Two Cities, and we were looking at uh, Jerusalem and Babylon throughout the Bible. They be, they're both there in Genesis, they're both there in Revelation, Um of course, in Revelation, there's spiritual Jerusalem and spiritual Babylon. Um, but it's interesting to look at uh, the history of those. So we talked to, about that. And uh, this week, we're going to be looking at spiritual Babylon. How do we identify spiritual Babylon and so forth? So if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Revelation 17 a little later in our program. So you might want to have that ready. What have you noticed in the news this week, Danny? Okay, this is, once again, it's been a, a news packed with um, a lot of things going on in the world. However, one, one story really caught my attention last night as I was just yeah, 
enjoying a bit of dinner, I was watching SBS and there was a story that really caught my attention on SBS News. This is last night and it looked at the disasters in the world over the last 20 years, that is from the year 2000 to 2019 and compared them to the amount of disaster and the severity of those disasters from 1980 to 1999, the previous Mm -hmm. two decades. And it was phenomenal that they shared that the disaster have, the disasters in the last two decades have grown significantly. Uh, so they looked at a very similar criteria. So I'll, I'll read out the numbers. This is from the United Nations Office for Disaster Risk Reduction. And they said in the last 20 years around the world, we had 7,348 major disaster events, mm. right? That affected uh, 4.2 billion people, claimed 1.2 million lives, and nearly $3 trillion of damage. Now, in comparison, between 1980 and 1999, 4,212 natural disasters. So give me those numbers again, the comparison, the two numbers. Okay, I'll start off with the previous two decades, okay? 1980 to 1999, we're looking at, in round numbers, 4,200. Righto. In the last 20 years, 4,200 has become 7,300. Okay. That's an An escalation. An escalation of 3,100, almost a doubling. And what this tells me, Peter, and we've looked at this in the past, Jesus said that his coming... And the signs of his coming would be compared to labor pains. Yeah, you remember, we talked we've talked about, about that. We have. And as we all know, labor pains, uh, they, they grow in um, severity and frequency, frequency the closer we come to the birth. Not that we have any personal experience. Not that we experience. have any personal experience. No, certainly not. Although we are both married and we do have kids. I've been there. I certainly have been to see it firsthand. And it's interesting that Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And yeah. that word sorrows is their birth pain. Yeah. So when I was when I was watching that, and then I went online and um, and picked up the story from the SBS News website, mm. it just reminded me that wow, we are drawing ever so close to the coming of Jesus. We're not talking about an extra hundred, two hundred, or three hundred, or even one thousand. Yeah. We're talking about three thousand more significant disasters uh, around the world in the last two decades. So that was very significant. Yeah. Well, something that's happening. Uh just now in the US that I was noticing as well. You know, we we read in, um, I'll read this again. This is Luke chapter 21, verse 25. It says, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars. I really should maybe say something about that next week. But anyway, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, uh, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things coming upon the earth. Uh, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So it's connecting here, you know, this the sea and the waves roar. And we've talked before about hurricanes and how yeah. um, they're becoming more powerful, more more destructive. I'm reading, um, this is five days ago on USA Today. Here's the headline. It says, why are we having such an active hurricane season in an era of busier than normal hurricane seasons the 2020 season stands out and it says 2020 uh, hurricane season in the u.s sent the national hurricane center into its backup list for storm names for only the second time in history um and then it says the question is what is causing all this activity why are we seeing a record number of storms and so again you've got an increase in uh 
activity and increase in frequency and intensity. And I think that the, the whole climate change uh, discussion once again comes to the fore yes. whenever we're dealing with design. And you know what's fascinating? Back to this, back to this story that I pointed out. Yeah. There are two nations that are experiencing more disasters than any other. Okay. The last twenty years. Check this out. This is mind-boggling stuff. I wonder if I can guess. No, I won't. You get going. The two biggest economies in the world. True. Okay, China. In the last 20 years, uh, topped the list with 577 events, followed by the United States with 467. Wow. And these are the two, as far as the climate change um, scientists are concerned right. and analysts, these are the two that emit uh, the Big most the, yeah. CO2 yeah. into the atmosphere that is seen as a, a, a large part of, of why we're experiencing all these natural disasters. So that's really fascinating to me. It is. And, you know, some people might be thinking, well... Big deal. Why, why is that important? And why are we even focusing so much on the US news? Mm. Don't we live in sunny Australia? You know, why on earth would we be that interested? Well, of course, uh, we will get into this a little bit more next week, I think. Yeah, next um, week we're going to really we've already go. had a program, and you may want to check this out if you're a new listener to um, Looking Up or to Faith FM. In one of our previous episodes, we talked about the role of the United States of America in Bible prophecy. And... Um, why the, I guess, the focus and the um, the spotlight is probably a better word, um, that the Bible puts the spotlight on that nation at the end of time uh, to reveal some changes that are going to take place that are going to affect the whole world. The whole world. And this is why we talk about that. And that's why when you see natural disasters having an effect in the USA, when we talk about this political instability right now, when we talk about the social uh, inequality and the social unrest in the United States right now. There's reason for that because it's building to a condition that um, we believe will uh, usher in those last events of Bible prophecy. And we'll talk more about that as we go yeah, by. Next week. And, but just, just on that, there is a program. Um, we mentioned uh, Sharissa earlier on who will be taking over from you with a couple of other individuals. Uh, they have produced a program and it will be aired very soon. So it's, What's it's, it called, Danny? It's called America and the End. And people can go online to mm. theend.digital. That is theend.digital and the details there. So it starts on the 27th of October. So we'll we'll once again give it a, a plug next That's week. That's not that far from uh, now. No, it's not. It's, it's like a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks' time from, I think, yesterday. So What's it called again? Uh, America and the End, nine America programs, and there's going to be also Q&A, live Q&A at the end. So that's something people can be thinking about. I'm going, yeah. to, be, I'm going to be uh, watching that one. The End.digital. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, we're going to go to a break in a moment. We're going to have some uh, music, and we're going to have some news, and we're going to have uh, a little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll get into our study on the topic of Babylon. We've actually been looking last week at Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, which says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And we'd started looking at that last week, but we're going to take a uh, another look today and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to unpack and uh, identify spiritual Babylon from the book of Revelation and we're going to see how that unfolds and how that affects people like you and me, Danny, and our listeners who are listening out there. So hopefully we'll uh, enjoy that. Um, again, if you would like to contact us, you can. If you've got a comment or a question, you can call 1-800-324-843 and uh, you can leave your comment and question there. All right, we're going to go some more music. We're going to be listening to Josh Cunningham. Uh, three chords, I think this is called. So enjoy the music. We'll be back after the news. 
Follow your heart is what they say. I know that if I do, I'll be following something I can't know. Deceitful and untrue. I couldn't love you if I tried. I couldn't find a way. Unless my heart is led by God, I'll only go astray. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. God is love. He gives to us a priceless gift that's free. He gave Himself. He gave His all unconditionally. I wanna love You like He does, Lord. Give me eyes to see. The only way I can is if You live inside of me. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two. Gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. Well, love is kind, love never fails. It ain't boastful, proud or rude. It bears all things, believes all things. Rejoices in the truth. And love will never seek our own. Love's patient. Love endures. And if we want love like that, is what we'll have to do. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven. God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. Three 
cords are woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Cause the love of God is the only love that's true And I love you with a love that's true Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Faith FM and you're listening to the Afternoon Show with uh, me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov, and you're listening to the show Looking Up, where we take a look at the world today. We look at Bible prophecy and we see where the two connect. What does the Bible tell us about where we're heading? What is the world trying to tell us about where we're heading? And uh, we're going to pick it up from where we left off last week, Danny Milenkov. And that is that we were looking at the second of three angels' messages that are in Revelation chapter 14. And so we're going to go to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, which is the second angels' message. We read this out last week, but why don't you just uh, read that for us again? Sure, I'd love to. Um, but before I do, Peter, maybe I'll just, just, just pause for a word of prayer because Very it's such wise. an important subject and it's important for us to ask the Lord to guide and lead. Father in heaven, we just pray that as we open your word that you'll open our hearts and our minds that we may have the understanding that you have promised in this precious book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Revelation 14.8, it says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. All right. Thank you, Danny. Now, somebody pointed out last week, one of our callers, and we want to thank those who are tuning in and also interacting with us, called in and said, you know, those words are repeated in the Old Testament. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And that is indeed the case. So what Book of Revelation is doing here is it's picking up a message from literal Babylon in the Old Testament and the fall of Babylon in the Old Testament, and it is then applying it to a spiritual power in the New Testament in the, in the end of time. And uh, we're going to take a look at that because we want to know what is spiritual Babylon. You see, in Revelation 14, 8, where it says, another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. The city of Babylon was indeed great at the time of the prophet Daniel, 600 years B.C., um, and after the fall of Babylon to the Medes and the Persians, uh, it had, um, you know, still people living there. It was still a powerful city. And then the, the Greek Empire came under Alexander the Great, and it was still being used as a city then. But gradually over time... Well, that's time, where he died, I understand. That's he right. died in the city of Babylon. Remarkably, that's true. Mm. Um, but over time, it began to lose its prominence. It began to be uninhabited and you know became a ruin so when the bible talks here another followed saying babylon is fallen is fallen that great city it's not talking about the ruins of ancient babylon at this point it's talking about a spiritual power uh, at the end of time and the reason we know that is these three angels messages of revelation 14 verses 6 through 12 occur in the bible just before jesus returns in glory That's so right. verse 14 as we've mentioned before jesus is pictured as returning as a reaper ready to reap a harvest so we know that these three messages are given right at the end of time they're going to all the world we've seen that in the first angel's message um, and they're like God's last warning message to the world 
just before Jesus returns. So there's another passage, Danny, we read out last week that we want to look at in uh, Revelation 18, verses 1 to 4. We can read that out and then we're going to go to the heart of the matter, which is really Revelation 17, which unpacks for us, mm. uh, you know, Revelation, uh, yeah. sorry, uh, Babylon and helps us to understand the identification of Babylon. But let's read Revelation 18, 1 to 4 first. Yes. And it says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Thank you so much, Danny. I guess the one thing that um, seems clear to me as we read these two uh, passages is that Babylon isn't on God's side. No. Right, This is not a place you want to be if you're a follower of God. In fact, uh, God is saying that he has people there and that he wants to call them out of there. So th- what's fascinating to me is God has people in Babylon. And again, we could go right back to the historical source uh, of uh, the time of Babylon and the time of Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, where God's people were literally in Babylon. And God was going to call them out of Babylon back to Jerusalem. They were going to rebuild a new Jerusalem. And this that actually happened. And what's fascinating is when they came out of Babylon, they came out in three different waves. That's right. There's three angels' messages, but there were three different waves of people who came out of Babylon back to the promised land, and they rebuilt a new Jerusalem. And that literally happened. I mean, we could go even further because the Bible is going to talk about the kings of the east coming, right, mm-hmm. in Revelation uh, 16, one of the seven last plagues, the kings of the, preparing the way for the kings of the east who will dry up the river Euphrates. Mm-hmm. That's the sixth plague. The fall of Babylon, and then people go back to the promised land where there is a new Jerusalem. Mm. All right? And this is, that literally occurred when the Medes and the Persians overthrew Babylon and the children of Israel went back to the promised land. They went back and rebuilt a new Jerusalem. That literally happened. But here it's telling us that that is going to spiritually happen, where God is calling people even now out of Babylon so that they can head towards the promised land where there will be a new Jerusalem. So um, this is fascinating stuff. And um, but what we can say is Babylon is not where you want to be at the end. Now, because Babylon fell once upon a time and it will fall again. again. And we know that it will fall because that. That term is fallen, is fallen, is repeated twice. So whenever yeah. God repeats something, it's for emphasis. Yeah. And so it's like we bold or we highlight something or we underline. There is no bold or underlining sure, that's right. in the, the emphasis. Bible. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there are capitals, yeah. as, as we'll discover when we go to Revelation 17. But generally speaking, that's because God is emphasizing something right. when, it, when it's he repeated. He repeats it. Exactly. That's right. It's repeated for emphasis. You're so right, Danny. I just want to dive into one phrase here that's going to seem perhaps a little strange, uh, both in Revelation 14, 8 and Revelation 18, 1 to 4, 
Um, let's go to the 14.8 for a minute. It says, another voice uh, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. What is that all about? That is a mouthful of words. And The wine uh, part we understand. Okay, so she has <laughs> made all nations drink. Other. Okay, so... If you look, it says it should made all nations drink. If you go to Revelation 18, it says, For the nations have drunk of the wine of a fornication. Um, and uh, in other places, it says they've become drunk. That's right. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of all fornication. In other words, her wine is confusing. Mm. Okay. But the other thing is, when it talks about wrath, it's really passion. The passion of her fornication. Now, fornication, what is fornication, people are wondering. In Greek, the word is pornea. Many people will be familiar with pornography, which is very prevalent in our culture right now. But it's sexual immorality, okay? And in terms of the Bible, you've got adultery, which is you have uh, two people coming together that shouldn't be coming together because they're married to other people. That's That's adultery. Mm -hmm. Fornication is two bodies coming together where maybe neither of them are married but they're two bodies that are coming together that shouldn't be coming together and so in 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 spiritual terms what this means is you have the church and the state coming together in an unholy relationship Mm, because they ought to remain separate correct and we'll talk a little bit about why that is in a minute we're going to be looking at revelation 17 in a moment where we see this combination going on. It is interesting here. Um, it says in Revelation 18.4, come out of her, my people. It's talking about Babylon as a, a her or a she or a female, right? That's right. A woman. And that is because we're going to find that a woman in Bible prophecy represents God's people. Uh, or a church, and we're going to have a look at that in comparison in a moment. Why don't we turn? Well, if I could just make yeah, a go note ahead. on that, and and we you, you, we may re-emphasize that, but at the end of chapter seventeen, before we springboard into chapter eighteen, notice yeah. the verse there. It it actually says what you've just shared. Yeah. Uh, Revelation seventeen eighteen, and the woman that you've been talking about, and yeah. the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So here God is very clearly saying Babylon at mm. the end of time is synonymous with that woman. Right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pick up on this okay. scarlet harlot, as right. I like to refer to her in Revelation 17. Okay. Well, why don't we go straight to Revelation 17? Um, the first, you've just read from the last uh, verse, which we will come back to, but we're going to go back to the first verse. Um, and in fact... The first verse is really, uh, you know, sometimes the chapter and verse divisions in the Bible are sometimes placed in places where, upon review, you might think maybe they should have mm. placed the chapter and verses elsewhere. You know, that wasn't done until like the 13th century or That's something. Right. So, That's right. so the, the, the chapters and verses, folks, that you see in your Bible are there for, for, to help us find mm. our way around the Bible. They're very useful, and I'm glad they're there, but they're not inspired. In other words, sometimes the the chapter breaks, the verse breaks, uh, are put in places that don't allow the text to flow naturally. 
And so, for instance, you get to Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. It says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, that's talking about the seven last plagues. Mm. Well, that's Revelation 16. So in a sense, you could say that belongs to there, but that's what it's referring to. Revelation 17, 1, it says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot or the great prostitute who sits on many waters. Maybe we should just pause there. Yeah. Um, just to unpack that, you've unpacked the the, the symbol of a woman. Yes. Um, in the Bible, now you've got two women. There is the, the pure woman mm-hmm. that is uh, dressed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and the 12 stars on her head. That's Revelation 12. Yep. Um, and she's a pure woman. She's a virgin. Right. So that... There, there, there's no guesses um, in wondering who that woman would represent. That would represent Christ mm-hmm. and His church. And here you have this harlot, and she's the complete opposite. So this represents an unfaithful church. So you yeah. have a faithful church and an unfaithful church. Now the many waters, in verse fifteen, we are told uh, what the waters represent. Then He said to me, "The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits." Peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this is a system or a church that is ruling or reigning over multitudes, over, over of, multitudes people. of people. Yeah. yeah, that's all I just want to say on that. Now that's good, Danny. We're going to unpack each one of these symbols. Yeah. That's As what we, we go want along. To do. Yeah. So when we're looking at um, Bible prophecy, we've said before, particularly in the Book of Revelation, this is prevalent. It says there right at the beginning of the book of Revelation, mm. he gave it in, he signified it or he signified it. He puts it in signs and symbols. That's right. So the truths of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the prophecies there in the book of Revelation, they're giving in signs and symbols. And the Bible, praise the Lord, that the Bible itself gives us the interpretation of mm. those signs and symbols. Yeah. All the keys are to be found. Which is very important because mm. if we do not use the Bible, to understand the interpretation of these signs and symbols, we are bound to get it wrong. That's right. Um, and so it's important. One of the principles we outlined earlier, Danny, we were talking about some of the principles of interpretation when it comes to Bible prophecy, and one of those was that the Bible is its own interpreter. And so uh, thanks for picking that up, that um, this this uh, unfaithful woman, that's what a, you know, a prostitute or a harlot is, is someone who is not committed to one individual right um so a, a it's it's an unfaithful woman here that is depicted um versus revelation 12 which is a faithful woman so you know revelation 12 represents the bride of christ as as you you may have mentioned and here we have a, an unfaithful woman and sitting on many waters multitudes of people i think we've said before danny that uh, sometimes um you know, if you're at a, uh, a big event, outdoor event, maybe a, a, a stadium event or a, um, a music concert or something, they will often say there's a sea of people. Mm. Yeah, we right? use that kind I've, of language. I too. have heard that language used on news reports and so forth, and that's really what this is talking about. Uh, it's probably where it came from in the first be, place, right? Um, that this multitudes of people represented by the many waters. Uh, okay, so, um, and it says... Well, maybe you're going to, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again as we come back to this. But we're going to read a description in Revelation 17 when we come back of uh, this woman who is described as Babylon. We'll look into that and we will seek to identify all the various different symbols that are used there. In the meantime, we're going to take another little break. We've got Brian Duncan and he's singing United We Stand. So I hope you enjoy. 
Welcome back, friends. You've been listening to Brian Duncan and United We Stand. Um, and so we have been talking about Revelation and we've been talking about Babylon. And we're talking about spiritual Babylon there because uh, by the time Revelation is written, physical Babylon uh, has weathered and truly uh, in the past as a, uh, a power, as a city. And um, so it is talking about spiritual Babylon, and we'll talk a little more about that in a moment. But what I thought we would do is we're going to read the description of Babylon in Revelation chapter 17, and then we're going to do some uh, comparisons to identify what is being spoken of here. So why don't you um, read, let's read verses 1 to 5, Danny. Do you want to do that? Sure. And then we're going to maybe one to six, I think. Sure, one to six. Okay, so Revelation 17, one to six, if you're following along in your Bible. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. 
I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Thank you so much, Danny, for reading that through. And obviously there's a lot of uh, symbolism here, a lot to unpack. But one thing, as I mentioned before, I think as we read this, it becomes very clear that you don't want to be a part of Babylon if you want to follow the Lord. Because clearly Babylon isn't on God's team. You know, um, it's saying here that um, the the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Mm. So this is obviously a power that is um, standing in opposition, I guess, to to God's plan. Um, is is uh, is is yeah, not not uh, faithful to God. And so we've we've talked here. We mentioned before that. Uh, verse 2 there, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. So this this woman, whom we're going to make the case for being uh, representing a church, um, and it says, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, that is the state. The kings of the earth represent the state, okay, the political powers of the world. And so what it's essentially saying is that the woman, the church, has been in relationship with the kings of the earth or the state, in an unhealthy way. Um, and um, it says, because of that, the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of that union, essentially. And so, you know, when people get drunk, they're often confused. And, of course, Babylon means confusion anyway. Uh, it originally comes from the Tower of Babel, the, the name. So um, we see a number of elements here. Now let me, let's maybe unpack that idea that this woman represents a church. Um, we have uh, said that today we're talking about the topic is a tale of two women. And those two women are seen in Revelation 12 and Revelation 17. You've already mentioned them, but we're going to uh, take a closer look at that. Um, these women represent Revelation 12, a pure woman, a faithful woman, the Church of Christ, okay, the pure Church of, of Christ, the Bride of Christ, maybe we might say. Mm. On the other hand, a prostitute, a harlot, an unfaithful woman, Revelation 17, represents Babylon, okay, an unfaithful church, we could say. And, um, you know, we've said before that the, the story of the Bible is really, God God places it in many different contexts, but one of the contexts, one of the powerful illustrations that God uses for the relationship between God and his people is the relationship between a man and a woman. Mm. It's the That's marriage right. relationship where, you know, Jesus is called the bridegroom. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Right? Jesus is called the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And so this is uh, God trying to illustrate this union, this relationship that is supposed to happen between God and his people. And in fact, Jesus told many parables that involved weddings. You may remember, Danny, mm. um, where, you know, the, I think of the parable of the ten virgins. That's where Matthew 25. You know, Matthew 25. And so um, lots of parables that Jesus talked about weddings um, mm. and how that that was scenario was played out. And- I want and Go if ahead. I could just if I could just chip in here, um, in in Revelation nineteen, mm. Christ is pictured um, coming as the groom on the white Trying horse to, read that out. to take his bride. Um, yes, this is what it says. Um, what references? Uh, okay, I'm looking here, Revelation nineteen, and I'll I'll just read verse nine. It says, "Then he said to me, 
Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. So here we have yeah, Christ coming to, to, take, on, to take home his, his, his bride. And uh, further it says, And the armies of heaven clothed, this is verse 14, And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, Followed him on white horses. So once again, that same uh, symbolism that we find in Revelation 12, uh, the the white linen, the the purity, um, and that yeah, that faithfulness that comes through. Yeah. All right. So um, in terms of identifying the church as this uh, as a woman uh, in oh, the first place. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I've got to read verse seven. Okay. Because that, that's the one that really that, that's the one that really spells it out. Yeah. I was, I was sort of hunting for that one. Let us be glad and rejoice. This is Revelation 19.7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So it's clear as day. There you go. All right. Thanks for that, Danny. Well, there's one great uh, reference that you've read out there. Here's another one in Ephesians 5.25 where uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus in uh, Western Turkey today. And he's writing to the church at Ephesus there, and he says uh, he's comparing it to marriage, this relationship between Christ and his church, he's comparing it to marriage. And he says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, so, and he goes on and talks about uh, that. And he says, um, he talks about a whole passage Mm. where he's talking about husbands and wives, the church and Christ. And he says in verse 32, Ephesians 5.32, this is a great ministry, but I speak concerning the church. Mm. Okay, so he's talking, you know, and just before that he said, um, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So he's, he's looking at this uh, illustration of marriage, biblical marriage that, the, you know, that God invented back in the Garden of Eden. That biblical marriage is spiritually representative of the relationship between Christ and his church. And uh, we see that a number of different times. There's another one, Danny, we're just going to uh, read through as well, which is 2 Corinthians 11.2. There are many we could read, but we're not going to read them all. But I do want to lay a foundation here for understanding that this relationship between Christ and his church and the woman being a church particularly in, in the book of Revelation. So, so I'll read that if you like. Second Corinthians eleven two. It says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Alright, so here he's talking about the church and uh, he's talking again about betrothal, husbands, you know, chaste virgin to, to Christ and so forth. So when we get to Revelation 12, as you've mentioned, Danny, there is a woman there, and this passage in Revelation 12, there are three key characters. There's the woman, the dragon, and the baby boy mm. that this woman is going to bring forth, who is Christ. That's right. Ends up being Christ. Male so child. The male child. Very clear that it is Christ. It says he rules all nations with a rod of iron, mm. and we see that in Revelation 19. That's right. When talking about Jesus as the word of God. So. Definitely Jesus is the, the baby boy. Because he was taken up to heaven. He was taken up to heaven. So here we have this woman, and what's noticeable is this woman is clothed with the lights that God made. Mm-hmm. So he's got the moon at her feet. She's got the, it's clothed with the sun. She's got the stars around her head. And so she is clothed with the lights that God made. You're right back in the Genesis 
you know. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of symbolism in Revelation 12 from Genesis with the, the woman, the, the serpent, mm. and the, the seed of that's the right, woman. That's right. Uh, all coming from Revelation. And then at the same time, you've got in the creation narrative, God made two great lights, one to rule the day and one to rule the night, the sun and the moon, and he's made the stars also. So you have all of that there. So this woman is clothed with the lights that God made. She's clothed with with light, uh, you know, light that God made, and also she's bringing forth the Christ child. Mm. This is God's people. Mm. Not just the church, like not just the New Testament church, but God's people throughout time. This is what this woman represents. And uh, then, of course, we see that after, uh, in Revelation 12, after she brings forth the Christ child, the dragon persecutes the woman. And this is symbolic of the devil persecuting the church. That's right. Okay, and there's a period of time and all of that. So we see this pure woman in Revelation 12 as being the bride of Christ, God's people. Okay, so then we can compare that in Revelation 17. Now, we read the first six verses there in Revelation 17. I just want to make a comparison, Danny, between those two. And I want you to think about this. In Revelation 12... Uh, the church reflects the light of Christ. Okay, Here's she's the light clothed of the world. with the sun. You yeah. know, she's, Christ is the sun of righteousness. That's right. So she, re- the, the 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 Revelation twelve reflects the light of, of of Christ. On the other hand, Revelation the woman in Revelation seventeen makes people drunk, confused. Mm. So you have this contrast of light with confusion, and light, of course, in the Bible has often been associated with understanding, mm-hmm. right? Enlightenment. Mm. Um, so you've got that. And then in Revelation 12, you've got the pure bride of Christ. In Revelation 17, an unfaithful prostitute, which is the word that is, is used, or a harlot. Mm. That's the, the term the Bible uses. You know, some people That's might right. say, we well, you're being a bit harsh there. <laughs> this isn't my language. This is the Bible's That's language. Right. So we need to understand that. Uh, so Revelation 12, clothed with light. Revelation 17, clothed with worldly riches. Mm. scarlet and purple and gold and pearls and so forth. Um, Revelation 12, it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 17, there is a cup of abominations in the hand of Babylon, which is interesting. We'll talk a little more of that as we go by. Revelation 12, it says there is a remnant Mm. at the end. Revelation 17 tells us this Babylon has harlot daughters. She's the mother of harlots. That's right. Uh, And then Revelation 12, you've got the woman is persecuted. And Revelation 17 is a persecuting power, Mm. which is interesting. Um, So very interesting contrast between Revelation 12 and Revelation 17. Okay. And uh, we want to understand... What is this talking about? Now, let's talk about Babylon, the physical city. We talked about that last week, right? Daniel was captive in Babylon along with God's people. Tell us why, Danny, in your opinion, why is it that this can't be that old city Babylon? Well, I think there's probably several reasons why this cannot be ancient Babylon or even in reference to ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. And that is because Babylon in Revelation 
appears in the context of the end of time. Right. So you have the three final messages of love that God shares with the world, which we've talked about, which is what our program is essentially founded and grounded on, which are found in Revelation 14, 6 to 12. And we read those verses earlier, Revelation 14, 8, the second angel's message where God says, come, you know, Babylon, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. That's in the context of the everlasting gospel, God's final message of love that needs to go to the whole world at the very end of time. So this is a very end of time context that these words are written in, because as you shared earlier, the harvest follows, the coming of Jesus and the harvest follows. Mm -hmm. And so when you compare Revelation 14, 8 with Revelation 18, yeah. Verse 4, it's very clear when God says, come out of her, my people, come out of Babylon, my people, it's immediately prior to the seven last plagues falling, which is immediately prior to the coming of Jesus. Yeah. Now, the seven last plagues didn't were not about to fall um, during the time of ancient Rome or ancient Babylon. So it, it's only for the times that we are living in today. Mm, very interesting. We'll come back to that in a moment, Danny. We're just going to take another music break, so stay with us. Don't go away. We're going to listen to Michael Card and the voice of the child. I am an old rabbi. Where's the child who was here only yesterday? How my heart started to beat as I sat at his feet for the things he'd say. The questions I asked him and weighed on my mind and it's but the self-righteous show I had made my disguise It started to slip as I looked in his eyes So rather than stay for my pride's sake I walked away Come listen a while to the voice of the child Standing up of the wisdom of God Hear what he has to say As I sat at his feet for the things he'd say 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. We have been talking about Babylon, spiritual Babylon from the book of Revelation. And just before the break, Danny, we were talking about why this can't be talking about the physical city of Babylon, the one that Daniel and the, the other Hebrew slaves uh, dwelt in. 600, 500 BC. Um, why is this not that? So maybe just summarize what you've already said and maybe add any other points you may have. Okay, what I just simply wanted to say was that the, the context of Babylon in Revelation 14 uh, verse 8 and 18 verse 4 and all of Revelation 18 in particular, uh, the context is a very much an end of time context. Jesus is about to come right. uh, and Babylon is ultimately about to be completely destroyed. Yep. And we won't take the time to read through Revelation 18 now. We have done that in the past. But in Revelation 18, you have the fall and the demise of Babylon at the very end of time. And it's at the time that Jesus is coming on the rider of the white horse. Absolutely. It's, so it's, it's like right the there. second coming and the fall of Babylon are coinciding. They are. So you have the fall of Babylon in Revelation 18 and in chapter 19, Jesus comes comes on his white horse. And if I could just read Revelation 18, verse 21, where it makes it very clear, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Mm. And so this is immediately prior to Jesus coming on that white horse. So ancient, ancient, sorry, spiritual Babylon at the end of time um, is, is coming to its demise just before the coming of Jesus. So the, that, that is why we are dealing with spiritual Babylon at the end of time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a couple of thoughts that I had to throw in the mix. I, I grab all of that, Danny. I think that's, that's uh, quite, quite right. Again, we mentioned a little earlier the sixth plague in Revelation mm. 16 talks about the drying up of the river Euphrates um, and to prepare the way of the kings of the east. Of course, that literally happened about 539 BC when the Medes and the Persians came from the east and overthrew uh, Babylon by drying up the river Euphrates. That literally happened. But see, why are we putting... But it's that's in the context of the seven last plagues. Why are they called the seven the last plagues? That's plague. the sixth one. The seventh one is the coming Jesus, of Jesus. Jesus comes in the seventh one. So here's the thing. It's like, um, why would you be mentioning that then? in the context of, they're called the seven last plagues because they happen last. They're the last thing that happens before Jesus comes. And so why would you mention that then if there isn't a spiritual connection? Mm. And uh, I think that's important too. The other thing is that the passage is saying, come out of her, my people. At the time John is writing, the first century AD, there is no uh, understanding that um, God's people are actually in the city of Babylon at that time. So what is he talking about? And again, you've got an end time context. So I think that makes uh, perfect sense. So let's give a, let's take a look at the big picture once again before we get into some more detail of Revelation 17. The big picture is you have this uh, unfaithful woman, this spiritual harlot, riding on the back of a beast, right? And to unpack that, that is a an unfaithful woman, an unfaithful church, riding on the back of a political power, a state. And the reason we say that, Danny, is that in 
Daniel chapter 7 verses 17 and verse 23 clearly establishes that a beast represents a kingdom or a political power or a nation. And we see that in Daniel 7. We see it in Daniel chapter 8. We've seen it in Revelation 13. Mm. We're seeing it again here in Revelation 17. So this is consistent. The beast represents the state. And we've already seen about this woman, I think it was in verse uh, 2 of Revelation 17, uh, where it says the kings of the earth committed fornication with her. So we already have this idea that this woman has been intimately involved. That's what we mean by fornication in a spiritual sense is this woman, an unfaithful church, is intimately involved with the nations, the kings of the earth. Uh, and so you, what you have is religion combined with the state. And religion with the upper hand, because the woman, the okay. church, is riding the beast. So very important. And and you can pick that up in um in chapter seventeen, verses twelve to fourteen. There, well, twelve and thirteen, where it says, "Then the ten horns which you saw that is on the beast, yes, um, are the ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority." For one hour as kings with the beast, that's speaking of the, that beast in Revelation 13, which is synonymous with the harlot yes. here in Revelation 17. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Mm-hmm. So the kings of the earth give their authority and power to the church, mm-hmm. to this apostate church at the end of time. Right. Okay. So so here's the thing. Um, before we dive into what other godly men have said about mm. Babylon in the past because, again, what we're talking about here today, Danny, we didn't pull this out of our pocket this afternoon. You know, we, we didn't just look at it last week and say, what do you think? Let's go with this. Now, the interpretation that we are giving about Babylon is centuries old that we're going to unpack today and so that when people go home from this program uh, today, we, we're hoping that they'll have a clear understanding of, of spiritual Babylon. But is there any indication in the Bible itself, in the New Testament, that when the Bible talks about Babylon in the book of Revelation, is it referring, is that a symbol for some other power? Uh, we've said that, you know, it doesn't look like it can possibly refer to ancient Babylon because that's off the, gone off the scene. It's no longer a player on the uh, international scene. So, could Babylon be a code word for something else? And we actually find a, uh, a clue, uh, a positive clue here in 1 Peter 5, verse 13. Um, so if any, anybody wants to uh, turn in their Bibles to 1 Peter, in fact, if you go to 1 Peter 1, 1 first, if you go to 1 Peter 1, 1, notice what it says here. Um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. And uh, so it actually tells you who Peter is writing to. And if you look at the uh, places where they are, they are basically in uh, what they used to call Asia Minor. It's what we would call today Turkey. Mm. They're actually highlighted those places where it says Peter, an apostle, I'm writing to these places, right, these places in Turkey. Where was Peter writing from? Scholars are uh, united in saying Peter was writing from Rome Hmm. when he wrote this letter. Yes. Okay, which is interesting to note. So let's now go to 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, 
and verse 13. And maybe, Danny, you'd like to yep. read that. Here at the end of his letter. Yeah, maybe you go, go to 12 to give it some context. Yes. You're going to read 12 through 14. Okay. So this is 1 Peter 5, 12 to 14. Peter writes, By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the, the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect, together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. So focusing in there, this is basically Peter signing off mm. on his letter. We believe he's writing this letter from Rome, okay? And he says in verse 13, She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. Now, what does he mean by that? He says she, and we've already says that a woman in the Bible represents a church. And so Peter is essentially saying, The church who is in Babylon greets you. Now, here's the question. Is Peter talking about physical, literal Babylon in the Middle East, or is he talking about something else? He's writing from Rome, and what's fascinating about that is scholars agree that when Peter says she who is in Babylon, they're saying he's using this word Babylon as a code word for Rome. For Rome, exactly right. Just as Babylon in its day under Nebuchadnezzar was the most dominant empire at that time that had significant rule over God's people, the Jews, at that time. So Peter is now saying Babylon is a code word for Rome, which is the most significant empire at his time that also has significant influence over God's people in his day. And so he's labelling Rome as Babylon. And so we have pretty good... uh, you know, good information that that's what he's doing here. And so we have, this is really interesting because uh, our listeners, if you tuned in last week, you'll remember that we, 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 we went through Babylon. We looked at the history of Babylon all the way from the Tower of Babel yeah. all the way through to the end. And we discover in the book of Isaiah that, that Lucifer, Satan, he is referred to there as the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon. The king of Babylon. So here we've got Rome, as you pointed out, the, the you know the, the the empire of Rome, the city of Rome in particular, um, as Babylon referred to as Babylon. But we know from history that pagan Rome became papal Rome. Yes. So a transition from pagan to papal Rome. Mm. So here, when we when we combine the church element and we combine this system element, this system of confusion. And, um, and, and opposition to God and his word and his law and so on and so forth, everything that we've talked about, it, it becomes super duper clear. And the reformers were very clear on what ancient, of what spiritual Babylon, on the, what the harlot would be um, during that time. Well, yeah, we're going to pick up in a moment on some of those reformers because we want to take a look at what, what their, you know, what there was their testimony mm. in their day hundreds of years ago. But I found this interesting, Danny, um, the Collins English Dictionary. Mm -hmm. Some people will be familiar with that. The Collins English Dictionary, this is the third edition, 1991, not all that long ago. Okay. And if you look up in the Collins English Dictionary, 
Um, in page 13, 83, it says, Scarlet Woman. What does that represent? Scarlet Woman. It says, 1. New Testament, a sinful woman described in Revelation 17, interpreted as a figure either of pagan Rome or of the Roman Catholic oh, Church. Oh, have mercy. I hadn't come across that. The that's, Roman that's Catholic I... Church regarded as typifying vice overlaid with gaudy pageantry. Mm. This is in the dictionary. Mm. Okay, so the point I'm making here is within Protestant realms hmm. this was clearly known and clearly understood yeah that's and amazing when we're talking so you know i just found i was amazed to find this that's myself news to me i haven't seen this yeah. before peter so this is collins english dictionary so a, a well-known um you know authoritative dictionary and uh there you have it um a figure of either pagan rome or of the roman catholic church hmm. and so so this is not uh you know some kind of secret knowledge that we're trying to espouse that's you know something that we've uh, come up with ourselves we're saying that this woman in revelation 17 this unfaithful church that is represented there in symbolic form represents uh, the church of rome in apostasy okay now we want to say very clearly here that the church of rome has many many godly mm, faithful absolutely. people within its ranks Right, many Christian people, heaven-bound, spirit-filled, godly people within its ranks, and in fact, God acknowledges that in Revelation 18, where He says, "Come out of her, my people." My people. I really want to emphasize that fact. God saying some of His people are there, and He is calling them, "Come out of her, my people." And it's so, not just, and it's not just um, people who are in the Church of Rome. Um, which is this uh, system at the mm. end of time. But we're talking about all religions, um, all faiths, even those who have no faith, they all belong to God. Yes, um, they, that's exactly they are, right. They are all God's God has his children. people everywhere. He has his people everywhere in all walks of life. And so at the end of time, God is inviting all to come and to uh, be part of his kingdom yeah. to accept the truth. Yeah, well, I remember in, uh, I think it's John chapter 10, where Jesus says, many I have who are not of this fold. Mm. God's got people everywhere. Yeah. But I want to pick up on uh, the reformers who identified Babylon, spiritual Babylon, with the Roman church state. Okay, We're talking about John Wycliffe in the 14th century, Jan Hus in the 15th century, Martin Luther, William Tyndale, Thomas Cramner in the 16th century, People might be familiar with the King James Version of the Bible. King James I understood this. Mm. Um, Sir Isaac Newton in the 17th century. Um, uh, John Wesley in the 18th century. We are not talking about something that is hidden in a corner. We're, some, we're talking about some uh, an interpretation of Bible prophecy that is hundreds of years old. And all of the great reformers espoused this our point of view. So we just want to point that out. We also want to point out that there are many faithful Roman Catholic Amen. Christians. Absolutely. Um, and I've I've had you know got friends who are part of that faith. And so we're not talking about the people, but we are talking about the system that was married to the state mm. and that had significant consequences over the years for God's people. We're going to take another break here. We've got Newcastle Simone SDA Junior Choir. Watch and pray, enjoy this, and then we can take another break.
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and this is the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Malenkov. We have been talking about the subject of spiritual Babylon found in Revelation 17 and we're going to pick up our conversation about that in a few moments. But I also wanted to just let you know if you wanted to contact us, you can call 1-800-324-843. 843 or you can text... Uh, if you have a comment or question, you can text 0491 064 That is 0491 064 Once again, if uh, you're tuning in for the first time and you'd like to listen to some of the other topics that we've talked about in our uh, series looking up, you can go to the website faithfm.com.au, go to the podcasts tab, and you should uh, find in there the program looking up and you should find podcasts there that you can listen to and certainly uh this this episode two was will uh, soon be found there as a podcast as well if you want to inform others to come and listen to that so danny um why don't you tell us uh we've got a giveaway later today we won't um be giving away that yet but do you know what the giveaway is for yes. this week uh the giveaway is right on uh, topic and it's a DVD 
from Amazing Facts, the title of the DVD, The Bride, the Beast and Babylon. That sounds a lot like we've been talking about today. <laughs> See, I couldn't go past that. The Bride, the Beast and Babylon. I think we've DVD. mentioned all three of those. We have. So that will really give a whole heap more information yeah. regarding what we've been talking about. I own a copy of that DVD. I'm sure you'll it's enjoy fantastic, yes. watching that. Okay, so we've been looking, Danny, at this description. And uh, look, what we are saying here today in uh, just, I guess, reviewing what the great reformers, the Protestant reformers have said about this power, um, about this ecclesiastical power of this church that is in control of the state. And effectively, you know, for, for those who are listening in who may not understand the history of the Christian church, uh, we should say to people that there was time a few centuries ago where the church and the state were very closely united. And in fact, the, the church used the state to enforce her beliefs and uh, her systems. And so um, it's very hard for people to imagine that today because we live in such a free country. We've had uh, freedom for many, many years now. We can, you know, we can believe what we want to. We can practice what we wish. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a, uh, a gap uh, a separation, if you like, of, of church and state, uh, a great wall between church and state so that the church doesn't uh, call upon the state to enforce its religious rules. And likewise, the state doesn't require us to have any particular religion. And I think that that's very healthy mm. because people can then worship according to the dictates of their own conscience and their own heart rather than being forced to do so. So when well, we talk about what the reformers of hundreds of years ago identified this power as, we have to understand there is a very different context back, the context back then. That's right. And I was just going to simply add that Jesus, uh, he affirmed the separation of church and state when he said, render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, render unto God the things that belong to God. Right. And the Ten Commandments are divided into those two categories. Right. The first four commandments deal with um, one's relationship with God, or the spiritual matters that the state has no authority over. And the last six commandments deal with uh, uh, the, the state's prerogative to ensure that people don't murder each other, that people don't steal, and that families and society remain intact. Mm. So that's very important. And we've said before, you know, that where there are countries today where the regime enforces religious law, uh, those aren't the countries that most people want to get to. Well, they're, they're the countries that people want to flee from. Correct. They're not when refugees um, are fleeing a country because of either persecution or war or famine. They're not typically fleeing to countries where there is a religious regime that is enforced by the state. That's right. Uh, where you have church and state or religion and state together, it usually does not produce a healthy mm. combination. And so what you have here in Revelation 17 is a prophecy about the, uh, I guess, union of church and state. You've got this church, a woman, riding on the back of a beast representing the state. And uh, as we mentioned before, all the great reformers like Wycliffe and Huss and Luther and uh, uh, Tyndale, Thomas Cramner, uh, King James I, Isaac Newton, John Wesley, many, many others all identified this power with the, the, the Roman church state as it existed back there a few hundred years ago where you did have 
the union of church and state. And anybody who opposed uh, or just had a different view of religion uh, suffered persecution. And that's why many of the Protestant uh, Protestants pulled away from Rome and, and you have nations that pulled away from Rome. Uh, and so you have uh, many in Germany who became Protestants because they followed Luther. You have uh, obviously um, under the time of Henry VIII, England pulling away from Rome and given, uh, given rise and giving, uh, I guess, an opportunity for Protestantism to take hold in England. And uh, of course, which we in Australia are beneficiaries of mm. um, in the sense that, you know, I really believe you look around the world, Danny, it is the Protestant nations of the world that have given the world its freedoms. Uh, those are the places you most want to get to. Um, and so, of course, we think of America, uh, which was really formed on those Protestant principles of uh, separated of church and state. But the Bible predicts, as we've said before, that there would be a change in character in the United States. So it will anyway. speak like the dragon. Yeah. It, Revelation says it will. And the dragon, um, he uses the method of persecution, deception and persecution. Now, one of the things we had talked about off air, Danny, was we mentioned that at the end, when we're talking here, Revelation 17, we're not talking about Rome alone. No. Because it says in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, it says, On her forehead a name was written. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. It's the mother of harlots. That, that implies a number of different uh, churches or, or religious groups, right? So it's not uh, an individual here. Um, it is an, um, it's it's a, uh, a confederacy, if you like. Um, and the other thing I noticed here is in Revelation 17.5, it says, on, on her forehead a name was written. That's interesting because you contrast that with the people who are following the Lamb. They have the Father's name written in their forehead. That's Revelation 14 verse 1. Isn't yeah. that interesting? It so you, you, at the end of time, and we've said this before, Danny, the end of time, the uh, Bible tells us that we're either going to have the seal of God or we're going to have the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. That's right. And both of them end up in the forehead. That's right. Um, and, of course, we have uh, done a program on that previously where we've talked about being in the forehead. It's, it's, it's in the thoughts. It's in the beliefs. That's where uh, judgment is made. And so it's in it, what it's, do you believe? And, 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 and where is your loyalty? Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So um, here we have uh, this character... Now, what I wanted to say too was, uh, as well as all of those um, Protestant reformers that we've mentioned who identified this as uh, uh, Papal Rome, we've talked about Pagan Rome before, we're talking about Papal Rome, the, the Papal system that operates out of the headquarters of Rome. Uh, there was a Reverend, a Reverend Alexander Hislop back in uh, 1858. He was a minister of the Free Church of Scotland and he wrote a book called The Two Babylons. And uh, I want to read the, uh, the subtitle to his book. And so notice this. This is 1858 he wrote this book. Uh, it says, The Two Babylons or the papal worship proved to be the worship of Nimrod and his wife. Hmm. And basically is drawing on some pagan religious symbols of ancient times and seeing how they have been brought into mm. uh, the papal system. 
And so uh, when he talks about the two Babylons, he's referring to ancient Babylon in the Middle East, in the country we would call Iraq, and then, of course, modern Babylon being the papal system. Mm. So I've got that book in my library. Yeah, I do too. It's a fascinating read. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, you know, this is not something that is unknown. Mm. And we've already, like I said, we've already read it out of the Collins English Dictionary. So, you know, this is not something that is completely unknown. And so the, the Bible predicts here that there will be, once again, the nations coming together under the uh, religious rulership of Rome. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that will have uh, catastrophic circumstances for for those who are following this um, pagan religious system that's um, um, amalgamated with the state and trying to force worship upon those who have a different view. And if I could just add, Peter, the Bible's very clear that uh, the world leaders, uh, all the world governments will follow in the footsteps of papal Rome mm. in um, opposition to God and his people and his word. Because in Revelation 13, verse 3, and we've looked at that, it's very yeah. clear this... Uh, this power that's referred to as the harlot or Babylon. Do you want to read there it? There in uh, Revelation 17, here in Revelation 13, 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. This is speaking of the Roman papacy. Uh, and this was 1798 when Napoleon um, sent his uh, army general Berthier into Rome and he took the Pope captive. Uh, and it says, And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Okay. All the world marveled and followed the beast. And it gives some more details regarding that. And I shared this earlier, but I might just quickly repeat. In Revelation 17, verse 12 and 13, it says, Then, sorry, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. This is this power that we've just read about in Revelation 13 and Babylon. Um, and the harlot. These are the mind. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Right. So the beast is the one that rules, and we know that this is right at the end of time. Keep, because keep, of keep verse going 14. on verse fourteen. Verse yeah. fourteen. This is what it says. These, that is the beast leading the way, and all the nations of the world following. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and those who are chosen with him are called chosen and faithful. So this is just a classic case too. This is this that verse there alone helps you to understand you don't want to be on the side mm. of this power because it's making war against the Lamb, which is Jesus. Mm. And ultimately we know Jesus wins. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't want to be on that, that, the side of that power. I just want to read again, Danny, uh, verse eight, uh, 18, the last verse of Revelation 17, verse 18, because think of this in the context of John, who is writing this. John the Revelator, he's been given this message on the island of Patmos, and you and I have been to mm. the island of Patmos. And he says, And the woman whom you saw is, the great, is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Mm. Now, yeah. it's interesting because... Think of this, this is a late first century context. The messenger is not saying to John, the woman which you saw was that great city, that would have been Babylon. It's saying the woman which you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And at the time that John is writing, that city is Rome Hmm. because John is actually on the island of Patmos He's there because he's been preaching the gospel and he's a prisoner there on the Isle of Patmos under the Roman Empire. 
So uh, he was very aware, once again, that you have this kind of confirmation, if you like, of the identification of Babylon um, with Rome as a key phrase. You have it with Peter, you have it with John, you have it in the end time context. So I think that's very clear. Well, that has been uh, a fascinating talk through, Danny. We'll uh, come back in a moment. We're going to take another short break and then we're going to wrap up the program for this afternoon. It's been a fascinating afternoon talking to you with, uh, about this. We're going to listen to a song. It's Amy Cherry, You Must Cry. That was the beautiful voice of Amy Cherry and uh, the song You Must Cry. You are listening to Faith FM. You've been listening to 
looking up this afternoon. Uh, we have been very glad to have your company. Thank you for sharing your time with us and tuning to choosing to tune in. Danny, we have a free giveaway. Tell us about that. We sure do. As mentioned earlier, the giveaway is a DVD on our subject of this afternoon, The Bride, The Beast and Babylon. So the first person to call in for this DVD will receive it or text and those numbers are 1-800-324-843 or you can text on 0491-064-669. First person in gets this really cool DVD. Yeah, it is a good DVD, so uh, make sure you, you get that. And even if you don't, if you're not the first one to ring in and get it, I recommend you uh, check it out online and, and buy it for yourself because mm. I reckon it's uh, yeah, well you, worthwhile. you can watch it online. It's well worthwhile. All right, well, that's about all we have time for this afternoon here on Looking Up. Uh, I want to thank my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov, and uh, you've been listening to me, Peter Watts, um, on the afternoon show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please tell others about it if you want to catch up with other previous messages we've shared through the radio program. You can find them at faithfm.com.au. Click on the podcast tab and uh, you will be able to find programs under the Looking Up heading there. So uh, thanks for joining us. We are uh, about to head out. And don't forget, uh, we've been talking about Luke 21, 28. When When you see these things happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. God bless. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea. I know His love is there for me. We make our plans, and still it's God who directs our ways. He knows each step I make He knows each breath I take It's in our darkest hour We find our greatest need He knows what's best for you and me Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up When there's pain deep in your heart Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea His love is always there for me In every trial we face precious lessons we can learn 
Love is always there for me. 